Hey, hey, everybody, it's Lee Jackson, America's finest watchman, here with you again. Another episode, another bucket of fun, baby. Let's have some fun, shall we? Yeah. Okay, so last time we were talking about different brands of watches. Uh, I want to tell a, a little bit about the TV business because I thought that was kind of interesting. You guys were going to kick out of it because I was had so many watches coming by me. But I did want to talk about one story. Uh, years ago, when I first got started doing TV, I remember I put up a Rolex Super President, which was a Rolex President, 18 karat solid gold day date. And it was covered in diamonds, the dial, the lugs, the bezel, the, even the band had diamonds. And I remember I showed the watch for in those days about $20,000. Today, probably be double more of that pre owned. <clears throat> New is 60 to 100 grand. So I remember I was showing up for 20. Nobody said anything. I left. The next night, I get a call from the studio. I wasn't doing a show. I get a call from the studio saying, There's a guy on the phone that wants to buy that watch. And his name, he says his name is Chuck Knoll. And I said, Who? And I thought about it, and it turned out it was Chuck Knoll, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers football team, which was really shocking to me. And he called like in the middle of the night. The next day, I called the guy just to see if it was real or it was a gag. So me being me, as crazy as I always am, all the fun in the world, uh, I asked the guy, I said, uh, let me ask you a question. I was trying to figure out, is the guy for real or is he uh, phony? So I said, who was the coach of the opposing team in 1979 when you hit the Super Bowl? And I remember because the Rams were my team at that time, so I remember that very well. And he says to me, the guy on the phone says to me, I don't know who that is. I said, what? So he didn't even know or didn't remember. So I was not convinced this guy was even the real thing. Turns out he was. He bought the watch, 20 grand. And it was Chuck Nolan. He told me that he had retired from football and he was doing pools in Arizona or something at a pool company, something like that. And I was absolutely floored because I didn't think it was really him. And imagine I'm quizzing the guy <laughs> to see if he's real or not because I, I had no clue. Is this guy the real deal or what? I had no idea. Okay, so that was my fun story for the day. I could tell you all kinds of stories about... Uh, doing shows on tv it's fun there were some there were some really crazy times but let's get back to watches so the last time we talked we were talking about different brands of watches and my opinion on them um i've been thinking about it long and hard and you know the newer people that are selling watches and that are collecting these are people that are looking at all the new releases of watches you know so and so brought a new brand and they're doing review after review after review and I thought about that and I said, you know, that's not my market. My market was never brand new watches. My market was always the pre-owned uh, market for luxury and for vintage because you can get such a such a great deal on uh, pre-owned. If it's in good shape or you bring them back, they look like brand new. So what the hell do you want to pay new prices for? But then again, when you're on the pre-owned market, uh, you are kind of a bottom feeder. You kind of have to take what's available or don't. And if it's a watch that's a one of a kind, you probably are not going to see it 
on the pre-owned market because there just weren't a lot of them. That's why there's tons and tons of Rolexes running around on the pre-owned market. And there are other companies that have lots. Like, for example, Vacheron has a lot because they put out a lot. Paddock didn't put out as many and neither did Audemars. So you don't see as many on the pre-owned market. So when you want a brand that's an esoteric brand, you got to decide, do you want to pay new or do you want to wait and see um, to get it on the pre-owned market? Now, I've been a big proponent of being patient. That's what you have to do. You must be patient. And I'm the least patient person there is. But when it comes to watches and waiting and all that, you have to be. I learned the hard way. If you're not patient, you're going to get screwed big time. So you've got to be patient. You got to take your time. You got to be very careful. I made very few mistakes like that where I jumped the gun and got something and then I was uh, wrong. You know, you got to be careful. I just did it the other day. I made a boo-boo, but not on a watch. I was buying a, a light bulb, a special light bulb, and I picked the wrong one. I thought it said the right one. It was their letters on them and it was one letter difference. And I thought it was the right one. I bought them. So I blew it. Because I wasn't cautious, I wasn't careful, I didn't wait. I was in a hurry and I jumped. And every time I do that, I get screwed. So I would warn you against it. Take your time. If something goes real fast, um, you might have to make a split-second decision. You take in as much information as you can and then make the decision. Don't just jump. Don't get sucked into auctions that are going crazy. You got to have a, an upper level and a lower level of what you're willing to spend. And that's it. Don't go any higher unless you really, really think it's a good deal or if it's something you want. Another thing people used to say was, if you see it and you haven't seen it before, or you really want it bad, buy it. And I can tell you story after story of things like that that happened to me where I didn't buy things that came by me and I should have. My favorite story is... um. Years ago, and this has nothing to do with uh, watches, absolutely nothing, but it's a good analogy. Years ago, um, I went into this, like a strip center, and there was a really strange store, had some really interesting things. This We're talking many, 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 many years ago, like 30, 40 years ago. And they had this really cool little LED clock. It was a cube, it was metal, and it did different things. I'd never seen anything like it. It was expensive in those days. I think it was... 40, 50 bucks these days, you know, I wasn't making tons of money. So I thought about it. I went back and looked at it a bunch of times and I really wanted it, but I didn't, didn't want to spend the money. Long story short, the store burned down and I didn't buy it and I never saw it again. And to this day, I'm still kicking myself in the ass saying, why didn't you grab it? But you've got to make those judgment calls. I've seen a lot of great watches uh, go by me that I should have bought and didn't simply because they were, I thought they were a little too much or they were not in the greatest of shape or something. Usually it's money that I think it's gone too high, but then you never see it again. So is it worth it? And the answer is some of the things I've let go would have been worth it. But at the time, I didn't want to spend the money. So. The moral to the story is when you see something you got to have, you got to have it. It's real simple. But if you're trying to resell or you want to get something that if you decide to resell will be worth something more than you paid, then you got to be careful because there's tons of people that over, overpay and overbuy.
and you don't want to be one of them. You want to be careful. You also want to be able to turn things over. Like, for example, and I think I said this in one of the earlier podcasts, um, I'll get a bunch of watches. You, can, you can't wear every watch you have if you have a lot of them. So what I'll do is I'll get a bunch, collect. I want to get too many for me to really use or, or uh, I'm comfortable with. Then what I'll do is I'll put some up and sell them and get something else. So I'll take five cheaper watches, sell them for more than I paid and get a better watch. Step up. That's what I've done. And it works really well, but you got to buy smart. Sometimes I'll buy just to resell. So I'll make the extra money so that I can buy something better. And you always have to be looking uh, for watches in, like on eBay, you got to always be looking You got to be very careful. eBay's got a lot of ripoffs there and you got to be very careful. You got to check people's feedback. You got to check what their numbers are. There's a lot of pitfalls there. I mean, I've, I've heard it a million ways to Sunday. You know, there are good people on eBay too. I don't mean to say that everybody's not good because that's not the case, but you got to be very careful. And then there's these other places to buy like the, the one in Europe that has a number and then a complication after it, the name of a stopwatch, wristwatch after it. And I've tried to buy from them twice. I have nothing but problems. I have not been able to buy anything. And then I go online and I read all the complaints and the holy macro people got phony stuff and counterfeit and everything else. I would be very careful there, especially it's big money stuff. It's not inexpensive. Uh, what eBay is doing these days is they're sending out watches that you buy to be authenticated by a third party, which I guess they had a lot of problems because they wouldn't have done that if they didn't have that problem. Um, I always authenticated everything and everything that I always sold had a certificate of authenticity. They've been checked, certified by yours truly, and that it was the real deal. And I never had a problem with that. So you got to be very careful. I mean, there's a lot of people that Mickey Mouse, and I'm going to tell you another story now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I was working with a place that was putting out Rolexes, all different kinds of Rolexes, and they were Mickey Mousing everything. They would buy a movement and put it in a different case. They'd mix up the dials, hands, you name it. They would just piece things together and then tell you it was a later watch. And they were bad. Bad news. Uh, they were putting out stuff that was not legit. They were, I stopped working with them because when I found out that that's what they were doing, I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to work with you. I'm not interested. But they were doing all kinds of funky stuff. Like you buy a, like a 90s Rolex, you have to take it in for service. They open up, they go, the movement's from the 60s. Or it's an older movement or crappier movement, whatever. So you got to be very careful where you buy. And if you're buying from people that just treat it like it's a widget, that's what a lot of these newer people I notice do is they don't care about the watch. It doesn't do anything for them. It's just a, a piece of something to sell. I paid a dollar. I'm going to sell for a dollar fifty, whatever. That's it. They don't care. They want to move it out. They're not interested in the condition or anything else other than how it shows up. You know, it's got to look decent. And then they're, they're off and running at the races. So you got to ask, does this have a warranty? Has this been serviced and hold them to it? Because I've said this many times before, getting uh, repair on watches is very expensive these days. In my day, it wasn't. Today, it really is. You're looking at two to four hundred bucks to get something done properly. 
So if you buy a watch for $100 that's worth 200 and you spend two or three on it, you're upside down. So you got to be very, very careful. Um, I do want to talk and go back to the brands we were talking about. Would you like to hear some more stories? I got lots of crazy stories. I could tell you stories from now till doomsday that would curl the hair on your head. And some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. Some of the people I, I worked with were completely out of their minds. I mean, it's a difficult business, the TV business. And to get there and have a place that you're in concert with. And the reason I say that is because I've worked for um, or with um, TV companies, you know, um, shopping networks, I should say, that were, what's the word? I've worked with a lot of them, good to bad. And some of the bad ones were really bad. Like they weren't giving, they weren't giving um, credits or returns to people, giving their refunds. They were holding back. And you know what that does to people like me that are trying to sell stuff? People like you were watching a show going, hey, I didn't get my credit for the last thing. Why am I going to buy more? So I didn't know. But of course, I'm the one that takes it in the shorts because they don't want to buy their snake bit now because of it. The shipping was bad. The returns were bad. They weren't in a hurry to give stuff back. Um, it's really difficult. So you've got to be in concert with whoever you're working with and all on the same page because the margins are so slim on TV because TV is so expensive. It costs money to have a studio. It costs money to broadcast. It costs money to get airtime because when you see these shows in your market, it isn't free. These people are paying to, sh to see it in your market. In other words, the shopping networks are paying money to the market, to the broadcast uh, station or cable station or whatever it is that you're watching it on, DirecTV, whatever it is, they have to pay. It's not like they're doing because they like them or because people want to see it. They pay and they charge a lot. So you've got all these different things going on. You've got overhead, you have um, phone bank, you have all those people you have to pay. You have the studio itself. The airtime itself, you have to broadcast it. We used to do it on satellite in the old days. We would shoot it up on a satellite and then people would pick it off the satellite. Not folks like you, but um, studios and TV channels and cable channels. They would all pick it up off the satellite. So they'd have to aim for that satellite, have a dish, pick the signal up and then rebroadcast it to your area. And then you have returns and returns are what kills you in this business because it costs money, and I haven't even talked about this, but the credit cards cost a fortune. To run credit cards, that's the worst of all of this is the credit cards. They've got you over a barrel. They charge so much to run these things. And when you return, they charge you when you charge them. And then when you return it, they charge you again. Not you, but me, the seller. They charge a percentage when you sell it and then a fee for the I forgot what they call it, but like a ticket fee for doing it, transaction fee, and coming back, they do the same thing. So you could be double dipped. So say you sold, for example, a $10,000 watch, and it cost you 5% there and 5% back. You just lost a thousand bucks because somebody jumped the gun, bought something they didn't know what they were getting or didn't like, and you're the one paying for it. Isn't that lovely? So that's why returns can kill you. It's not quite as high as I'm saying it's less, but it's still expensive, especially when you get into more expensive stuff. Then there's people out there, and I'm not 
saying it's you, but there are people out there, especially in the pocket watch business. I remember seeing this a lot because pocket watches are so rare and the parts are so hard to come by. People would buy pocket watches, believe this or not, open them up, take parts out and then return them. And then return them. How's that? Isn't that sweet? And guess who eats it? You know, me, I'm the seller. I eat it, which is really bad. So that's another one that's bad. Um, we're going to take a break here in about a minute, but I want to tell you a quick story. Then we're going to take a break. You know what? Let's take the break first. Uh, we will be right back in about 30 seconds. So here we go. Let's take our little break here. Okay, I guess we're not going to take our break yet. Okay, so let's keep talking. I guess I can't take my break yet because I can't get my music together. So, oh, here it comes. Okay, fine. Let's take our break. Now they got it. I'm sorry. I apologize, but live TV is always fun and so are podcasts. So let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay, we're back. Yay for me. Hooray. Mr. Crazed is back. Um, I know I'm off the beaten path with my stories, but these are crazy fun stories I love to tell um, about the TV business because it was so crazy and, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I never had so much fun in my entire life as uh, doing watch shows on TV. I loved it. Loved dealing with everybody. It was a lot of fun. But here's my next story that I love. Um, this is from the TV business. You're going to love this. Uh, I had a lady that was buying for me like a drunken sailor. She was buying everything in sight. Pocket watches, wasn't wristwatches, all pocket watches, expensive, inexpensive, tons. And a lot of them were final sales. Can't return them. So this woman bought tons of, tons of stuff, expensive stuff. One day I get a box from her. And inside is all the pocket watches she bought. Uh, and they're thrown in the box. Not wrapped. Nothing. Just thrown in the box. And the box was mailed. And needless to say, what was in the box was all demolished. And she had already asked for a chargeback, which is the worst thing you can possibly do to a seller. And from, I think it was American Express in those days, and I fought it and said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, a lot of this stuff is final sale. It cannot be returned. Second of all, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? It's all demolished. And these are antiques. I can't get, I can't put them back together. They're demolished. Shouldn't even wrap them. And uh, they told me too bad. And, and with some of these companies, they just come and take the money. They don't even ask. If they take it, then you can go figure it out and go fight them for the money which is really great. Um, so that turned out that uh, I ended up fighting that one in court and I got caught for about half of it and it was a total loss. I couldn't replace anything. 
So those of you that think that returns are no big deal, they are. They really are, especially in higher end stuff. So my my request to you is if you buy on TV, you may see me again. You never know. Be careful what you buy. Make sure what you buy because people will cut you off. They'll put you on the bad list and they won't sell you again because they're losing money. Like I, you heard my example, a $10,000 watch, it's going to cost me 500 to 1000 bucks to send it to you, take your visa and send it back and give you a credit. Forget the money. I'm talking about on top of whatever it is. I just lost that much on top of it. So that hurts. So please be careful. Please be nice. You know, I always had people that I had some really wonderful clients and people that would buy. And I had some people that were kind of iffy at best. They were out to get me whatever it was. And not just me, anybody. So be careful. Let's go back and talk about some watches now, shall we? So where did we leave off? Let me get my list. Okay. So actually, we're almost done with the whole darn show, but I'm still going to go over it with you. Okay, let's see what we can talk about a little bit. Let's talk about a little watches. Uh, I do love watches. I do, I do, I do. Okay, so the next watch we we're going to talk about is eBell, and that sets me off on a tangent. So that's what I'm going to talk about is my tangent for the next few minutes. There's different kinds of watches. The way I like to talk about watches is there are watches that are more jewelry, more design-oriented watches. Then there are watches that are watches for the quality of what's inside, like Patek and Vacheron and so on. But then there's these design watches that are very popular. Cartier, I'd put there, because their watches are based on design more than what's inside. Even though, if you listen to the last podcast, Cartier's got some great movements. But it doesn't matter. People buy Cartier for the look. So one of the brands, it's one of these, I call them like jewelry kind of brands, is Ebel. Their watches are good. They're not, you know, the greatest in the, in the world, but they're good. And their designs, especially if you go back to the 90s and 80s, are really good. They had some incredibly nice looking stuff and really decent inside too. So there's lots of brands like that. I mean, I can mention tons of them. Um, you want me to? <laughs> But people love these brands. I mean, I could think of lots of them. Let me get my list again. Hold on. Sorry. Okay, so we're talking about brands that are more design rather than watches. And I'm not really seeing that many in my list, but there are definitely some uh, that I call more design-oriented watches. And yet I still like them. Concord's another one. Concord was big in the 80s. They made the world's thinnest watch at one time, and their designs were really good, really beautiful designs. Their movements were just okay. They were decent, but they had great designs. So there's watches like that. Then there's jewelry companies making watches, and a lot of them are not even their own watches. They're buying them. They're putting their name, like Tiffany put everybody their name on everybody, Rolex, Paddock, you name it, and those are worth more money because they have both names on the dial, which is kind of cool. But there are other jewelry companies that are making watches uh, that are good, but they're I don't know how collectible they really are. You know, like Tiffany's a funny one, for example. They never really made their own really high-end watches. They made watches, but they were just okay. Lately, they've got some better ones. 
But what they did, again, was they took other people's watches and just put their name on it with them. Not saying it's a Tiffany. They're saying it's Patek Philippe Tiffany on it or Rolex Tiffany, which is nice. And the, again, those dials are worth more than the plain dials that just say Rolex or Patek or something like that. So you have these other ones. And there's, I'm going to get into them because I was going to talk about eBell because it's one of those companies that just has great design. And they were very popular. Ebells were extremely popular, 80s, 90s, very popular. Cool looking watches like their Wave Watch and they had uh, Discoveries, a great watch by them. I always liked their stuff. And I used to wear a lot of Ebells, but lately, uh, not so much. I'm more looking for uh, better ones that I like. And if I'm going to get an Ebell, it's going to be more of a runaround watch, just a casual watch for fun. But that's kind of a whole other niche is you'll have the watch companies like Patek and Audemars and Vashra. And then you have these other jewelry companies. And they do some of these other companies make jewelry, too. Like Tiffany makes jewelry. Uh, one is Chopard. They're a very fine watch, but they're also a jewelry company. They make the Happy Diamond stuff. Uh, Gooblin's another company that started off putting their name on other people's watches, started making their own watches, and now they're happening. Their watches are really good. So we do want to talk about that a little bit, too. And I think we've run out of time for this podcast, but next one we're going to continue our talk. So I'm going to get into that more about these companies, that the differences in these companies. And it, it definitely affects collectability. I'm thinking Bertolucci, uh, Bulgari, there's a whole bunch of these names and they can be very expensive, but are you buying it for the design or are you buying it for the guts for really the way it's made and what's inside? Because in my considered opinion, the watches that you buy for the design, what are they going to look like 20, 30 years from now? They're going to be ugly. Like I have a, a Concorde that I'm absolutely still in love with called a Saratoga and I sell a lot of them. And they have the most beautiful design. The bracelet, I loved it. I still, I have a two-tone uh, Saratoga I still wear. But now it looks dated. They don't look fresh like they did 25, 30, 35 years ago. They look dated. So if you're buying for designs, be careful because in the long run, they may lose value. They may not go up because generally expensive watches have gone through the roof. They've really gone up. A lot of the design watches, not as much. But yet I like the designs. Some of them I'm really into. Like I uh, like the Bertolucci Polkra, I think is a beautiful watch. Um, I like a lot of the Bulgari stuff, but their newer stuff, yeah, not so much. But some of the stuff is very um, standout, beautiful. But again, over time, it may not hold its value. So you got to be careful. You got to think about what you like. What size watch, what kind of watch, what kind of movement do you want automatic or quartz, or manual? There's a lot of factors that go into it. And I always tell people, you got to collect what you like. You really got to like it or else why do you want to buy it? Because I bought stuff that I wasn't that crazy about because it was a good deal and I never wore it. I ended up dumping it, selling it because it just didn't do it for me. When I put a watch on my wrist, I want it to thrill me. I mean that seriously. I look at that watch and I'm excited I'm wearing it. I think, oh man, you know, I really like that. So that's the kind of stuff I look for. All right, I think we're going to cut this one off and say goodbye. And what the hell? You know, it's always fun to see everybody and talk to you. I will be back. 
Uh, this is Lee Jackson, America's Finest Watchman. And I am taking my leave. See you later, folks. Bye. See you later.